Hi, MTs. Yana here, and I have a special gift for you. I've had so many of you reach out regarding podcasting and how to know if podcasting is for you. Well, I've created a free guide just for you with what I consider the fundamental five questions you should consider before starting your show. All you have to do is visit freepodcastguide.com to get your copy on the house. I hope this makes your 2020 just a little bit brighter. Just go to freepodcastguide.com. That's freepodcastguide.com. Now melanate on that. This week on Melanated Conversations, we gather around the table for another group chat with our friend and former guest of the show, Jasmine Berry. Jazz is a board-certified family nurse practitioner with a background and focus on infectious disease. On this episode, we chat with Jazz on the real regarding life behind the scenes as a provider on the front lines battling this pandemic. Jazz gets candid about her own mental and physical well-being during this crisis and collectively we share our thoughts on doing our part together to curb this pandemic. We laugh, we learn, we get real, y'all, in this group chat. So pull up a chair and kick it with us. Welcome to Melanated Conversations. Our narrative and our perspective. Here on the podcast, we are amplifying the voices of Black women and sharing their powerful stories of transformation. I'm Tyrion. And I'm Yana. Let's start the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Melanated Conversations. I'm your co-host, Tyrion. And I'm your co-host, Yana. We are so excited um, to have this conversation today. This is actually going to be part of our um, group chat series where we get a little bit more in depth about certain topics, talk about, you know, some serious stuff. And so today we actually have a former guest on the show, former guest and friend and like super supporter. Yeah. Um, Since day one. Day one. She was actually Um, in season one. She was in season one. Um, Because y'all on season three now. (laughs) We are. We are. So welcome to the back to the show, Miss Jasmine Berry. Jasmine Berry. Jasmine Berry. I wonder how many times you hear that and that probably gets on your nerves. No. Really? No. That's always me up. (laughs) No, it just it just hacks me up. Because I feel you like know, it's when, the first time I've ever said that to you. I, I love it. All right. Well, we don't yeah. care. We don't you know, if, if I was part of an organization and it was a non-hazing organization, that could have been, you know, something that I would have had, you know, my girls greet me with or something like that. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. You, you foolish. You foolish. You <laughs> foolish. Well, uh, as you know, like I said, we had Jasmine back uh, in season one as a featured guest. And uh, Jasmine is a family nurse practitioner. And you are, what are you studying right now? What are you? My doctorate in nursing practice. Okay. Now, 
So I am staying clinical. I'm not getting the research doctorate. I'm staying clinical. So that's right. where the DNP, doctor of nursing practice. Nice. Sis out here doing big things. So she's going to, you know, she's going to school us. She's going to educate us today on some real serious stuff. But before we do that, yeah, before we get to before we get into the real series, because we all, we we have some things that we want to address and talk about. But before we go into that, we just kind of want to loosen up a little bit. We have one, you know, we're gonna throw out a rapid fire before we get started. So I just want to ask, this is just jump straight into it, because you already know how this works, Jasmine. We don't have to explain. But no, no, no. There hasn't been much room for us to you know, to do you know various things you know with you know the current state of affairs with our with with COVID with everything that's going on has there been anything has there been a spontaneous moment that you've been able to have y'all Golden Girls fans yes picture it Fayetteville Georgia yesterday I was sitting in the office because I had a light clinic schedule I was like I wonder what it looked like if I had a nose ring so I found a filter on Instagram. It's like a piercing filter. So you can put piercings wherever on your face to see how it looks. I polled people on Instagram. And before I even got done with the poll, I was like, I'm finna just go get it. Uh, so I made me an appointment. I got my nose pierced yesterday. Twenty. Yeah. Look at y'all. Okay. Yes, yes ma'am. Yeah. Things we love to see. Yes, black-owned business, black piercer. Thank you. Nice. We need her. I think her deets. Is yeah. this in Atlanta? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Iron Palm Tattoos is um, downtown off of Trinity Avenue. Yes, yeah, in the info. Does yeah. it hurt? I mean, it. Uh, yeah, no, because I'm saying it's fresh. You said yesterday, right? Yeah, yeah, like less than 24 hours ago. I got done like five o'clock yesterday. It shouldn't if it's done right. Yeah, it I mean, didn't hurt. It was a quick, I won't say pinch, but like a quick, like plunge. Made my eye water a little bit, and then mm-hmm. it was like, oh, that's it. She's the needle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's it's in there. Chow, nose twinkling. <laughs> Look, we trying to be twinks for real, okay? Right. <laughs> trying to be twinks for real. I love it. I want. I told actually, I told Terry, and I wanted one like. Was it mm-hmm. last? Was it early this year? Last? Year? I can't remember. I feel like you said something about it. Because I was like, you got to take me to the person. The Do person. it. But yeah, I like it. Literally, yeah. you can't overthink anything. Just go and do it. Yeah, that's that's real. Okay, that real. well, you want to go? Mine is not like super spontaneous. I like I have I had a moment like what Jasmine had years ago, where I we, we was we was. Out in Conway, it was, I think, um, it may have been like a Saturday or something like that. And uh, me and some friends was like in the dorm, it's like, let's go get our tongues pierced. That's just what we did. So I had a, I had a, I had a piercing moment like that. But I was like, remember that. Oh, like, <laughs> like 17, 16 years ago. YOLO. But like in quarantine, man, this is not like a, a fun like, ooh, that's super spontaneous moment. Like, I love to go skating. Um, clearly, those type of establishments, to my knowledge, aren't open. They may be in some place. Well, oh, come to Georgia. 
come come to Georgia. Well, I said where we are, we, they yeah. probably they might be open too. Um, but I feel like at the time it, it was when everybody was like they had just finally decided to lock things down. Um, but I do have a pair of rollerblades because I'm a rollerblader. And I was like, let me hit these heels around the neighborhood. And so, you know, I threw on my long socks and uh, oh, that's cute. shorts <laughs> and put my hair in some pigtails and I hit up the neighborhood in my, my rollerblades. And it was fun. And I hadn't done it in a while. Um, and I actually never skated in my na- in my neighborhood currently. And I didn't realize, like, it's a lot of heels through here. I was just about to say, I was just thinking it. I was like, you yeah. got a, a hilly neighborhood. It's a super hilly neighborhood. And it's crazy because I, growing up, the rollerblades I had had the um, brakes on the front mm-hmm. and the back. Well, the adult rollerblades, they only put the brake on one skate on the back. So I was definitely, I was like, they didn't put the On one skate, not both? Not both. So sis was struggling. Like on your dominant foot or what they think your dominant yeah, foot would be? Uh, on, yeah, on what they would think my dominant foot would be. But everyone's not. Right. <laughs> I ain't going to get into it. All right. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> that was a fun, spontaneous moment. Um, and it, to a point where I was like, oh, I should do this more often. And I literally have only done it once since we've been supposed to be staying in the house. But that's why it remains spontaneous. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, for me, um, this past weekend, my brother, he lives like maybe five minutes away, called and was like, can, you know, can the, can the girls come over? You know, and, you know, we, we hadn't turned down, you know, a time for ourselves in a minute. So, right. <laughs> um, so they spent, they ended up staying over my, uh, my brother's, um, with my nephew and everything over the weekend. And we were like, we're kid free. What, what what do we do? So we were actually just going out to just grab some, some takeout. But then we were like, you know, how about, because normally we would just ride around because you can't go nowhere. So what we typically do is just ride throughout Dallas, ride around, just see the scene a little bit. Um, but we were like, how about we turn on the Uber app, do Uber delivery only, and pay for our date and just ride through the um the city. So that's what we did. <laughs> we had a Uber um a Uber date night. So we just rode throughout the city. Um, thankfully everything is you know how they have it set up. There's really no contact, so we didn't we didn't have to contact with any of the people. Just drop it on their doorstep. Most people bring the delivery stuff to you, or they have a certain designated spot, so you don't have you know. There's no yeah direct contact with really anybody. So, you know, husband driving, we're just riding. He make it stop, pick up, we'll drop it off. And then on our way, we stopped at our um, downtown. We stopped at our favorite black woman owned um, chocolatier and um, got some treats. But yeah, that was, that was kind of spontaneous for us. Cause we, for one, we didn't know we were going to have time to ourselves and the whole weekend. Man, it was actually fun, and we made money. So we made money on a date night. They it paid for our entire date night, and we had money to set aside for another date night, which is cool. Not mad about it. I'm not <laughs> mad about it. So yeah, Uber I, date night, you know, try with your mate. I like spontaneous <laughs> things where you make money now. That's, that's, that's right. Nice. That's dope. <laughs> that is dope and very unique. And right. we were all we were masked up. And you know, and everything, of course, so. <laughs> of 
Shores. We're going to talk more about that. Yeah. Masked <laughs> up. <laughs> Masked up. But also, too, we have, you know, as we mentioned, we have our good friend Jasmine on. And when we get together, it's just kind of like we forget that, you know, we're talking to y'all. It's just it's a reunion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For real, for real. So, OK, so going into kind of the chat today. So, Jasmine, we brought you on because right now. And what it seems like will not be uh, what seems to be our kind of new normal for a while now, because people don't seem Mm -hmm. to want to act right. Don't want to sit down. Right. (laughs) We wanted to just have this conversation with you as someone who's actually on the front lines as a first responder, you know, really battling this on the other side. We wanted to have, you know, just bring you on to 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 tell us a little bit bit about your experience and kind of how you feel about everything that's going on. So can you begin with telling us a little bit what it's been like for you on the front lines and what like a typical day looks like for you? Okay. So I will start out by letting everyone know, um, like Terry said, I'm a nurse practitioner, um, family nurse practitioner, but I've been specializing in infectious diseases for past three years. So infectious diseases, for people who are unaware, um, HIV, AIDS, bloodstream infections, pneumonias, viruses, mm-hmm. coronavirus. So I typically split my day between clinic where I see outpatients, um, hospital follow-ups, new patients for skin infections, bone infections, IV antibiotics, whatever, whatever. And then the other half of the day, um, I do hospital rounds in the hospital. Clinic is, and we typically get consulted um, to help with antibiotics, um, you know, to help with infectious workups specifically. And since I guess my hospital had patient zero, I believe, back in March. So we've been helping out then um, just with initially it was like with the testing of coronavirus and, you know, whether this patient fit the criteria to be tested because, you know, at one point in time we only had X amount of tests, Mm -hmm. but now it's to help with antivirals, antibiotics, if patients are febrile for far longer than they expect them to. So they'll get us consults to help with infectious workups. And there was a second part of that question. Yeah. You kind of, you touched on it kind of what it looks like for you. Um, The other part was kind of what, what has it been like for you on the front lines? It's been interesting to say the least. Like it's been a whole range of emotions and emotional roller coaster, to be completely honest. Um, Cause I actually, I was on call the weekend we had patient zero, patient zero, meaning our first coronavirus case in our clinic or in our hospital. so, you know, it was a huge thing like, oh, we're going to see a patient, going to see a patient. And my physician, um, she was she actually wasn't at the hospital and she was like, are you comfortable seeing the patient? I'm like, it's a it's a person, you know, it's not like he's got Ebola. It is what it is. So, um, you know, it went from it's not really a big deal to you know, now seeing the hospital completely different, like our ICUs and our IMC, our step-down unit got completely turned around just because those are the only patients that were being hospitalized at the point in time. So went from, you know, not a big deal to kind of annoyance of everyone talking about it. And that was the only thing that people could talk about was coronavirus, coronavirus, what is coronavirus, this, that, and the other, then to sadness and wanting to help because I am 
I'm a nurse practitioner, so I am not taking care of patients for a full 12 hours like I used to. I'm not, I'm not at the bedside. I may see a patient for 10, 15 minutes, max, maybe 30 minutes, and then I go on to the next room. So, you know, that wanting to be a uh, wanting to be a bedside nurse, that that feeling never leaves you where you just want to be able to help your others, like you want to be able to help, you know, your team. So went from sadness, then frustration to, you know, we don't have enough PPE. Um, our government, specifically, I'm here in Georgia. So our governor, I didn't vote for him, but Governor Kemp is showing why Stacey Abrams should have been governor. But that's a whole nother conversation. Um, you know, him and the current president stating, you know, we don't need masks. We don't need this, whatever, whatever. We can continue business as usual. To, you know, oh, maybe there's hope, you know, the numbers are going down and now people are back up and now we're having another surge and, you know, not being hopeful. So it's, I mean, it's truly been a range of emotions. Yeah, I was going to ask, that was going to be my next question. What's been the most frustrating issue uh, during this pandemic? And I just want to say too, because I think sometimes people forget even from a healthcare perspective, like this is, this is new. Like this is a, this is a new virus. Like it's not yeah. something that's been studied or been watched in a lab per se. Well, or this is a new strain of the coronavirus. Right. Yeah, new strain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. New strain. And so there are so many unknowns with mm-hmm. this. People are, people's bodies are responding and reacting differently. We don't know what long-term effects um, this may have on individuals who've been exposed and contracted the virus. So there, there's a, a so many other things that are attached to this. But yeah, I mean, as you kind of stated, I think from the from the standpoint of like not having enough PPE, right. um, and then just the politics, how how this became a political issue. I do not that's know. I think that's the biggest <laughs> stressor. Is like this is not a political issue. This is right. truly a healthcare issue, and the health of the American citizens. And honestly, not just the American citizens, but, you know, all over the world, but clearly the world has it under control for the most part. Yeah. Let's talk about this correlation, especially because, you know, you're in Atlanta area and there's this big correlation between um, Black folks and coronavirus. And as well, thinking holistically, of all the communities that are predominantly or have higher populations of black and brown individuals, they also tend to be the areas that have more lack of resources available in their communities. Can you share with, just from the medical side, what have you guys seen too from that standpoint? So I can share what I have seen specifically like myself and the patients that I've seen. I've honestly seen an array of patients. I've seen black, brown, white, old, young, immunocompromised, those, you know, without a lot of medical issues. But I guess the ones that I've seen that do maybe the worst or like would crump the quickest, there's this one patient that stands out in my mind. Um I saw her on a Friday. I did a consult with her on a Friday and she was on a regular medical floor and just doing the consult, like meaning a consult is the first time that I'm seeing her, you know, the medicine team, the hospitalist uh, wanted us to come and help with antibiotics, you know, figuring out what her, what the appropriate treatment would be. And I mean, when I tell you she was so short of breath, like she, she was already on six liters of oxygen, which is a lot of oxygen from a with a traditional nasal cannula and 
she, I mean, she was talking like this. And she mm. said that she had stayed at home for probably about a week. And she said that her daughter had encouraged her to go to the doctor. Um, but she was like, you know, one of the last things she said to me was like, I should have listened to my daughter. And, mm. you know, I didn't push her to talk a whole bunch because I knew it was she was having trouble, you know, forming words because she was that short of breath. And I remember telling my physician over the weekend, like, you know, just watch out for her. I feel like she's going to, you know, she's probably going to crump quickly just how short of breath she was. So from Friday when I left, she ended up coding, meaning that her heart stopped on that Friday afternoon. She was in the ICU and she was on what we call full pressure support. So using medications to help keep her blood pressure stable, um, keep her heart going. Essentially, she was on a ventilator and by Monday morning, she was dead. Mm. So 50, 53 years old, I think, Black woman. Um, so I think the correlation that we are seeing, and of course, like Taryn, like you mentioned before, we won't see a lot of strong evidence, you know, until like uh, a year, 18 months later when we can, you know, get really solid numbers and continue and, you know, see patterns. But I think one of the biggest things is probably fear of the medical community and a lack of trust. I know a lot Mm -hmm. of individuals, especially like probably our parents and maybe if our grandparents are still living, um, you know, the Tuskegee experiment is one of those things that comes is in the forefront of everyone's mind. What I will remind everybody is that like, research has gone a long way from then. And, you know, one of the biggest things with the Tuskegee experiment was that there's not informed consent. So I hear people talking about the vaccine trials and they don't want to be guinea pigs. What I want to stress to all of us that look, that are black and brown is that we are disproportionately affected. So we have to be in trials to know if the vaccines are going to be helpful. Because if, you know, if you get nothing but white men and white women in these trials, we don't know how it's going to affect us. So informed mm-hmm. consent is a thing and informed consent has to happen if the trial is actually going to happen. But so that's my little caveat. And the other thing I think is lack of good knowledge. I know, I don't want to say a lot of us, but you know, when we hear, you know, our grandmothers or generations beyond saying, you know, just stay at home, use a at home remedy to get rid of a cold, use this, use that. This is not a common cold. So you know, some of that knowledge, some of that, you have to, you have, you have to get rid of that in this situation. You know, if you're sitting at home, short of breath and you're having chest pain, you all of a sudden can't smell, you can't taste. Like sometimes you just can't sit at home. You know, you can't rub garlic on your chest and make that feel better. I'm not saying that a mixture of Eastern medicine and Western medicine don't help. But in this situation, if you're sitting at home and you literally can't breathe, you can't just get home. You know, if we, and if we, and you know, if we continue to sit at home and do these things for far too long, then yes, we could have detrimental effects and we could see, you know, a higher number of deaths in black and brown individuals. Yeah. I, um, kind of two-parter. I I had an uncle who passed away back in, uh, I think it was March. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Early March. Um, to this day, still don't know if it was Corona virus. Um, I highly suspect that it was because mm-hmm. the family, his wife never, I don't never really gave us information. But from what I do know is that um, he was having what seemed to be a flu that would not go away. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Went to the doctor. I think the doctor was just kind of like, it's just kind of, you know, flu, whatever, kind of just 
go home, take it easy, start to get progressively worse. And, and then he was like, well, I guess since this is just what it should go away type of thing, I'm just going to wait it out at home. And then by the time it gotten so severe or too severe, um, it was too late. It was, it was too late and, you know, ultimately succumbed to pneumonia. Um, and, and so, you know, had, that didn't have any, from my understanding, underlying health conditions or anything like that had not, you know, pretty healthy. Um, and so it was definitely kind of like a shock. And like I said, it, and coronavirus was just starting to like hit our shores and start to be being talked about. So he was probably one of those, and he, and he was in the Atlanta area. Just one of those, one of those things where, you know, it was still new and fresh. So we weren't sure, you know, we don't even know if he had even been tested for it, but mm-hmm. definitely believe that that probably was what, um, you know, cause, you know, was part of, part of the cause of, of death. Can you explain to those listeners um, who just may not, you know, we hear the talk of coronavirus and, and all the different things, but you just kind of, you stated earlier, like, this is not just a common cold. Can you kind of just briefly explain to us what coronavirus is and kind of the implications that it, it could potentially have on, on us? So coronavirus, you know, it's a novel new strain of the coronavirus. Like if you were to go look on the Lysol can, you'll see coronavirus. So coronavirus typically will like cause like flu or cold-like symptoms. So what this strain, COVID-19, it's just like the flu, the flu attacks the lungs specifically. But with the coronavirus, I think it's attacking the lungs much stronger and there's a huge inflammatory component with it. So that's why you get a lot of the chest pain. Um, That's why you get that dry cough where you feel like there's something there, but you can't cough anything up. So it's not productive, meaning it's not a whole bunch of mucus. It's um, not like a common cold, but it's it's just a dry hacking cough. Um, like I said, it's a lot of infl- um, inflammation that goes along with it. The lack of, I'm not 100% sure where the lack of taste, where all of a sudden you just have a loss of taste and loss of smell. There's nausea and vomiting that goes along with it and, and diarrhea as well too. Mm. But like the pathophysiology, I am not 100%, like I'm not, what's the word? I'm not hundred percent well versed on the patho other than I know there's a huge, like what we call like cytokine storm where it's just inflammatory, just inflammation, just inflammation in the lungs. And this is why the lungs take such an insult. This is why the shortness of breath and why it takes so long to recover from the coronavirus as well too. Cause it's that inflammatory component that, you know, trying to use antivirals to help you know, trying to use other modalities such as, you know, walking around using, we call it incentive spirometers to help reinflate those lungs. But this, I think this is one of the reasons why they're seeing patients vented or on the, on the ventilators for so long. Um, Cause it takes, it just takes a lot of, it just takes a lot of time to, to heal mm-hmm. those lungs as well too. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that we're seeing from the coronavirus, and I think it's with that inflammatory component, which probably inflammation and um, what am I trying to say? The clotting factors, but we're seeing a lot of blood clots that come um, that come from coronavirus as well too. It's kind of what we call like the um, inflammatory cascade. Yeah. I saw a guy I knew um, growing up and he had posted on Facebook about back in June that he had gotten coronavirus back in March. 
Um, And then early June suffered from a blood clot. And I was like, that was crazy to me just to be like, so you, you, you get, you catch this virus. And then there, there are like these after effects Mm -hmm. um, from it on top of that. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's just a, we're now, so like patients that we've seen where I currently work, like some of the worst off cases that people who actually survive were in the hospital, like for like two months. Mm-hmm. And I know that recently, probably within the past week and a half to two, we've had a couple of readmissions of patients who had, you know, survived the first bout of coronavirus and now are coming back. And um, with, you know, pneumonias um, for, for, for the biggest thing. So it's, it would be interesting to see from a medical perspective, the long-term effects of the coronavirus and, you know, what happens in terms of survival, like the actual survival rates, like maybe, you know, a year post COVID, like survival rates, like are, will they be high? Like if you do survive the initial bout of COVID, will you succumb to something else? Mm. You know, what are um, like the protocols for you guys to make, to ensure like your safety and keeping you guys protected as you are assisting patients. Well, and and I'm sure this is in most healthcare organizations now, but um, if you are what we call a current stakeholder, like basically if you have any type of position um, within the healthcare system, you have to wear a mask while on campus, like the masks are required. Um, I hear coming down the pipeline, everyone is going to have to wear a face shield or, and, or goggles um, to protect your eyes because the mask, you know, protects our nose and our mouth, but it doesn't protect your eyes because droplets can get into that orifice as well. But if we have a patient that we suspect that we are going to test for coronavirus, even if we have like a lower suspicion, but we still want to test them for coronavirus, they get placed on modified enhanced respiratory contact, something like that. So basically it means that going into the room, you have to wear gloves, gown, a mask, and typically. So there's been talks of going back and forth of whether you wear N95 and, you know, the N95 is that particular, um, that clam shell mask that you can't really breathe well in, but you wear it anyway. You don't want to get coronavirus. Um, you wear that in the room and then you wear a face shield or you wear goggles. And some people will wear like booties on their shoes and some people wear like bouffant caps to, to hair. Cause there's been some studies about, you know, whether coronavirus lays on the surface, but, you know, typically we, depending upon what we're seeing the patient for, um, sometimes if you don't necessarily have to touch the patient, you know, stay six, six feet away and try to maintain your distance while still, wearing your PPE, your personal protective equipment. Is there like some, I'm sorry if I'm getting moved, mm-hmm. this, but mm-hmm. is there some type of protocol too from like after you've seen a corona patient that you can't see like regular, regular non-affected patients? I wish I could see my face or... right now. No. Oh, I can see your really? face. <laughs> no. Um, so there, the coronavirus patients or suspected coronavirus patients are what we call cohorted on specific floors, if possible, meaning that, you know, we have floors that are specifically for coronavirus patients so that you're not having what we call like mixing of other patients that I think it's low risk, of course. So, you know, if a patient is sitting in the room, because if you have coronavirus and you are or suspect to have coronavirus, you 
are isolated to your room. You cannot come out of the room. You can't have visitors. We're currently on a no visitor policy anyway, unless it's special situations like end of life. But no. So what a lot of us will do provider wise is that we will we will kind of triage or do acuity wise. You know, we will try and see maybe like in the morning, see all of our coronavirus patients or suspected coronavirus patients, you know, degown, do all the other type of stuff, you know, and then wear the proper PPE, just a mask and the patients who are not affected with coronavirus and try and group those together. And I mean, that's, that's kind of provider specific, but if you, the thought is if you are doing proper hand hygiene, um, you know, when you're coming, there's a specific way to um, take off of your, take off your PPE before you walk out of the room and, you know, wash your hands and, you know, sanitizing after you come out of the room and, and, you know, cleaning your PPE you should not be transmitting the virus if you are affected with it. And this is, I mean, this is the same thing of being out, you know, out in public. This is why it's important to wear masks, why it's important to do hand hygiene, why it's important to socially distance and to stay at least six feet away from others and to, you know, people, less than 10 people or 10 people are less in, you mm-hmm. know, in group settings. Yeah, that's, that's, that's important. Um, you know, the media definitely takes over a lot of the narrative surrounding this issue. You know, that's 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 where we're getting a lot of our information, the majority of our information. Mm-hmm. Um, but from your firsthand experiences, are you seeing things that are not being addressed in the media, or is there information that just is not true that the that the media is, you know, the information that they're giving out to the public? So I can half answer that question because okay. a, I don't watch a lot of, I don't watch the news because um, yeah. the news only, you know, gives you negative perspectives on things. Yeah. Um, but what I, you know, just walking into patient rooms or when I see the news on, whether it be, you know, I am in a part of Georgia where, you know, we have individuals who like Fox News, um, whether it's Fox News, CNN, you know, MSNBC or just the regular, you know, local news yeah. is that, and we talked about this earlier, seems to be more of a political issue more than anything else. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for those listeners who don't know, I'm in Georgia, like I said, Governor Kemp, who is clearly Trump's crony, um, wants to, to sue the mayor of Atlanta for mandating that people wear masks. It's, that I guess that would be my biggest gripe is that it seems to be more of a political issue than we really care about right. humanity and we care about, you know, the health of the American citizens. And, you know, and I hate that this is happening during election year because I think that maybe if this wasn't happening during election year, that it wouldn't be focused so much on politics. And yeah, but um, I think I think that's the biggest thing that the that the media gets wrong or they put too much focus on. And then I think from a healthcare pers- healthcare perspective, um, someone who, you know, quote unquote lines, like the whole thank you and you guys are great and thanks for all that you do. Like it's it's actually crap if you're going to continue to do the same things that healthcare providers are actually telling you not not to do. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, these media slots, you know, these 30 seconds of, you know, the sad music and, you know, the nurses with the uh, the lines from the N95 and the clapping and the thank you. It's like, it, 
I never even thought about it from that perspective. I mean, like if y'all are going to call us heroes and all, all this other stuff and, you know, well, give me free stuff, da, 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 da. But we're at surge number two. Clearly y'all, y'all, y'all ain't not, y'all ain't hear nothing that we got to say. You know what that correlates to me, right. Terry? And we just talked about this is, you know, kind of like with the whole Black Lives Matter movement, you know, where everybody putting, throwing the up black, their, oh, yeah. their squares. squares and then going back. Same thing with, you know, I didn't think about it from the same standpoint of yeah. health care. Like, yeah. We stand behind you. We, we thank we, you so you know, much. You've done so much. We appreciate it. We see but you. We hear we you. See, we hear you. Do you? Mm. Are you listening to these mm. po- politicians? There was something I saw on Facebook yesterday, and I wrote it down. And it was just talking about, you know, the whole returning back to school. And someone put a sign up. It was like, why should we go to school if we don't if the educated? Like people who are educated medically, like you got mm-hmm. Dr. Fauci. Y'all put some respect on Dr. Fauci's name. Man. He, he is t- look, he t- he tired of all of us, okay? <laughs> this man, if you know, and I pray that coronavirus and nothing infectious takes him out, but like the stress of all this stuff is gonna end up, yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying, being being his detriment because it's, it's like he didn't, you know, it's like when you don't sign up to be like he's not he's not trying to run for any political office no. at all. Like he's really just you ask this just trying trying to keep folks alive. That's it. Like that's <laughs> it's he is a physician. Like that's 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 what he signed up to do. That that was what the Lord placed him on this earth to do. Right. And y'all trying, you know, people are trying to make him seem like, oh, well, the CDC doesn't know what they are doing. There's new information coming out every single day. Like if yeah. you go back, how old are 30, like 30 something, 30 plus years, uh, you know, when HIV, HIV AIDS was yeah. just finding out about it, there was like one yeah. medication to take. One medication because we didn't know anything about, it. you know, we thought it was a gay man's disease. Now right. we know it ain't. And there's right. a billion of medications to take. Like it takes time to find out things about, you know, about a whole virus. Right. So, right. you know, people get so upset, like the CDC just said this and they said this. They're coming out like every single day with, with new things because they're finding out something new every single time. So us as Americans, we just, we're so selfish and we're just so into ourselves. And, you know, mm-hmm. if it doesn't serve us personally, the then individual. I don't want to, yeah, like I don't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You said something. You just said a whole lot of stuff. I know. Right? I went off on a tangent. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it wasn't no tangent. No. It was not a tangent. Um, woof. But you just said, you said something a few minutes before that, that I've always kind of thought about. You said we're in a, we're in a second wave. Do you really think that this is a second wave or you think this is still the first wave? I think, well, if you look at statistically numbers, like we, numbers were starting to go down. I don't think, yeah. now I don't think that coronavirus went away at all. Right. But right. I was talking to one of my friends last, the nurse practitioner as well too. She works in the hospital and we were just like, cause they said like kind of the incubation period is like 14 days. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of going back and where we're seeing surges here in Atlanta. And I'm sure you guys are seeing them in Dallas as well too. We're going back. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so right now, this is kind of 4th of July people that were affected. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And then you, so people who went out and kicked it 4th of July. I don't know if y'all saw the video from Compound here in Atlanta where they had a pool inside. And Yes, I did. Oh my gosh. I, I wasn't there, people, video. okay? Because I was sitting my butt inside because we don't, we don't celebrate 4th of July. 
So <laughs> then, because right <laughs> and you remember Fourth of July, where like Miami was shutting down, like their beaches, and there really wasn't a whole bunch mm-hmm. of stuff going on Fourth of July. So if you go fourteen yeah. days back, that's Father's Day weekend. Oh wow! So yeah. and you know this is when a lot of things were opening back up for some states and for some cities. So I'm I'm not saying at all that coronavirus went away. I'm thinking that it's a surge from probably people getting out and doing more than they were prior to. No, that's no, you, you, you're, you're right. The other thing you said when you were saying like how, you know, things are just constantly, constantly changing. We're getting new information out all the time. I think people forget. I didn't, I went nowhere near a medical school, but there are things that I do remember from like biology class and things of that nature that like viruses, they, these type of things, they, they can mutate. Mm-hmm. Um, they change constantly. So to expect it to behave one certain way, I think that's ignorance on our part. You know what I'm saying? So we should expect there to be constant, not necessarily changes, but just new information. Kind of like ebbs and flows of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. That's all I was going to say about that. Do you see this being something similar like flu like how there's different strains of flu that will that this could possibly progress into like different strains of this virus I mean I know corona itself is this whole category but yeah I mean I'm sure so I am not the best on reading articles I mean to be completely honest Mm because I just don't want to be inundated with all this information and there's just new Mm -hmm. stuff coming out every day but you know, I'm sure that there is some research going in on, you know, whether this virus has mutated, you know, whether it will mutate. And then, you know, um, one of the biggest thing the push is coming from is to try and get this under control before our known flu season. Yeah. You know, to have, hopefully we don't have a combination of coronavirus and flu. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, yeah. there are people who think that they can't get co-infected because I think we actually did have we did have a co-infection early on because this coronavirus started before the end of last flu season because flu season yeah. technically ends in April. So we did have a co-infected. And, you know, it would be interesting to see because, you know, we have flu A and we have flu B and we test for those. Be interesting mm-hmm. to see if by the time that this comes around, if, you know, we hopefully we don't have a SARS, you know, SARS-2 COVID-19. 2.0. I know that that wouldn't be the naming of it, but you know, if we don't do the things on the outside prior to like proactive, then who, who knows what can happen to be completely honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just so many unknowns and and that that's what makes it even more scary because we are just most just living reckless, recklessly. <laughs> and we don't know. We don't know yet. We don't have a good handle on this, which I want to go back to your point where you were saying that everything's this around this seems to be politicized, which I agree. Um, mm-hmm. Because of that, do you feel like this p- pandemic and how it's been handled and how it's been made into a political kind of statement type thing? Has this affected the way you view your career in healthcare or have has this, you know, ongoing fighting behind the scenes solidify your reasoning for choosing this path? I would think it solidified my reasoning for choosing this path, but also solidifying 
me moving past being reactive in medicine. So I really want to take a proactive approach. That's one of the reasons why I'm obtaining my doctorate, um, because this is all a reactive approach. And I think I got really frustrated last week with just this whole thing and, you know, working and having to see these patients. But I think that Americans really enjoy a reactive approach because, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting advice on how to be proactive every single day, wearing a mask, social mm-hmm. distancing, staying at home, you right. know, going out when you need to. And then no one's saying that you have to stay at home like there at martial law has not been enacted. But if you do need to go out. Just be smart about going out. Mm-hmm. Um And it seems like it's so easy that like, it's so easy that no, that can't, that can't be the thing. Like there has to be a a medication or a drug or it has to be a drug that would prevent me from getting it. So uh, uh, I'm, yeah, that's all I got to say on that. (laughs) Well, you know, I think with anything and especially where, where it's, like a sudden drastic change. Um, You're talking about death and death is involved. People losing jobs. The norm is just, it's completely different. Every, everything is shifted for everyone in the Mm -hmm. world. Um, We've got to talk about our mental state and how this is affecting our mental state for you. Has this, how has this had an effect on your mental state as a black woman and as a black woman who works in healthcare and is fighting this thing firsthand, and then also um, follow up to that, how are you caring for yourself in all of this? Like I said earlier, um, it's definitely been ebbs and flows. Um, you know, range of emotion going all over the place. Where I remember when everything was just starting to be besides about coronavirus. Like I said, I talked to my mom at least two, three times a day, you know, before work, after work, sometimes in between, depending on how my day is going. And she, you know, she watches the news. So she, you know, she would always be talking to me about coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. You know, it got to the point where I was like, I am not entertaining a conversation about coronavirus right now. Like, I don't want to talk about this. I am being inundated with this information at work. I want to just have a regular conversation. And, you know, she got offended at first and then she, she came back and she apologized. She was like, I can't imagine, you know, what, you know, what you're seeing and what you're dealing with and just having to talk about it all the time. So she was like, you know, I apologize. You know, just, I'm just talking about it just to try to gain more understanding, but I can see it from your standpoint. Cause I remember what, you know, for a long time, I was like, if you want to talk about coronavirus, if you want to talk about something that has to do with coronavirus, don't call my phone. Like yeah. I got off social media for a while. Cause it was just, you know, and I love, I love how social media, everyone's an expert on everything, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially Facebook. So people giving their expertise and, you know, what you gotten tested and what about this and what about that? And what about that? And, you know, individuals who are far from the medical field, like artists, mm-hmm. far from the medical field talking, you, you know, given their perspective on coronavirus. So I think taking time away from social media um, has been helpful. Um, wine was my friend for a long time, but I had to give wine up because too many carbs. <laughs> um, I think, but I think at this point in time, kind of gotten a handle, handle on it. Cause and I think if you can, you ask any medical professional, like I was, I made a joke, uh, one day with some ICU nurses and a cardiologist 
where I was like, we have to be some sick individuals to get into this. <laughs> because, you know, the things that you see, the things that you, you know, you know, you hear, you witness the things that you you end up doing. You're like, how like how can the human psyche take all of this at, at one time? So I think dark humor has definitely helped. But as a medical professional, you just you learn to cope and you learn to compartmentalize most things. And, you know, when you need to react, whether it be cry, you know, yell, you know, just be sad about things, you definitely do. But you can't you just learn you can't unpack your bags and stay there. Mm, that's good yeah that's just a, that's the word in general I love the fact that I mean you're just like listen I've got to remove myself from this from one space or the other like yeah. I, I do this as my, this is my career this is my job I'm immersed in this so I, I can't be having side conversations and logging in the Facebook to be social and you know mm. just kind of keep nah. me up for a little bit and this is all I'm seeing right and, and not on top of that it's just foolishness that straight, straight foolishness. <laughs> so I, I get that. Definitely. Yeah. I don't even deal with this on a daily basis. I'm glad that you recognize that about yourself and you were self-aware to know like what you need and to walk away from something that is not serving you. So Yes. Oh yeah. I was having a block party. I'm like, if you want to call this phone this morning, you can, but you will get blocked. <laughs> don't like, don't call me. You know, you have those they hear that you're a nurse practitioner. They know you're like, so what's your take on it? I'm like, <sighs> yeah, I'm glad yeah. I didn't ask you. I just texted you a couple of times just to make sure you was alive. No, you definitely did not. No, I, I greatly appreciate it. You know, for, <laughs> for, for, some, for some people, like I remember, you know, my close friends, I definitely didn't mind, you know, answering questions, but it was individuals who I ain't talked to in a minute. Like, what's your take on it? What about this? What about this? Mm-hmm. I would literally, I would straight copy and paste CDC. Like I would give them the CDC website and they were like, really? Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not just because I see this every day. I'm not an expert on this. You know, I, I can give you the human perspective and seeing things and giving you more of a knowledgeable perspective, but I'm not Anthony Fauci, you know, so I can't, I can't tell you the ins and outs of it. And I know that he can't tell you, you know, he can give you way, you know, a, way better explanation of everything, but he won't be like probably things that he says now, six, seven months from now might not necessarily hold as much weight as it did today. Right. You know, but the reoccurring theme is, and I'm just going to, you know, going to drop this every now and then is wear a mask, socially distance, wash your hands, stay at home if you can. Mm -hmm. That's that on there. (laughs) Now you just drop that in there. Like I'm, I'm just plugging my new album. Wear a mask, stay at home, wash your hands, hey. social distance, and arrest the cops to kill Breonna Taylor. <laughs> and Period. arrest the cops to kill Breonna Taylor and Elijah McClain. And Elijah McClain. Anybody playing with y'all? Stop playing with us. <laughs> Quick note on social media, because um, I did see your recent post. I think you posted, what was it, last week, and you, you posted a picture mm-hmm. of you holding um, a vial of, was it? Remdesivir. 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 Uh-huh. Yes. Can you share us a little bit about that moment and what you know? I, I remember you mentioning that you had a conversation with your MD um, about what patients should or couldn't. Like you had to make a decision about how to administer. Possibly, I don't know. Could be a life-saving yeah. drug, but um, yeah. If you can share a little bit about that. 
Yeah, so the picture they're talking about is I was holding up a bottle of remdesivir, which is the um, new antiviral that was formulated to potentially treat um, the coronavirus. New, meaning it's not much of it. Um, So we are literally, hospitals are rationing out remdesivir, not because we don't want to treat patients, but because we only have so much of the medication. Um, So I have the vials because that, um, like I've said, you know, we've been fighting coronavirus, I guess you can say, since the very beginning of it. So um, one of the pharmacists have kept a lot of the vials as just kind of, you know, souvenirs to say that we hopefully survived uh, coronavirus pandemic. But we just recently got a shipment in of the medication and um, we don't get much of the medication in. So I'm not going to, you know, go into specifics because keep my job for at least another year. Um, So we basically, we were getting consulted from the hospitalist to help to basically see if patients qualified to have the, have the medication that could potentially help treat the coronavirus in addition to antibiotics and, you know, other modalities as well too. So two patients that I saw, um, a elderly white man who had, who was immunocompromised was on, um, taking a chemo pill. And then a, I guess, I guess by lay standard, she's an elderly black woman. Um, so I saw the elderly black woman first, cause she was my first consult. She sitting up in the bed, answering all questions, really didn't appear short of breath at all. She was on a whole bunch of oxygen. She was on 10 liters, which is a lot. Um, but she was statting a hundred percent, which is a plus. You can't get any higher than that. Looked comfortable, asked her about all of her symptoms. Apparently she had gotten it from her brother or no, excuse me, her sister, um, who possibly got it from the brother-in-law. Um, she was doing okay. So we just decided to keep antibiotics going on her. Um, and then the next person that I saw just reading his chart, he, he was much sicker than she was. So I went to see him. He was on what we call a high flow nasal cannula, which is basically the step right before intubation or a tube down your throat on a ventilator. And then he had something called a, um, a non-rebreather, no, not a non-rebreather, a venti mask on that gave him additional oxygen because he was unable to hold his sats. Basically, he was having issues. He was breathing on his own, but he wasn't, what's the easiest way to say it? He wasn't having, his blood wasn't carrying enough oxygen. Like he didn't have enough oxygenation to maintain uh, what we like to see, you know, 95% or above. So out of those two, and I mean, literally, when you're making this decision, you are going off of the acuity of the patient, yeah. like how critically ill they are. This man was about to get intubated compared to this woman who was maintaining her sat. She was looking up. She was looking fine. You know, wasn't complaining of much at all. Just, you know, really some, um, mm-hmm. some nausea, wasn't having much of an appetite and a dry cough. So this man got, got the remdesivir. But then we're going to go back and, you know, we have further conversations because I am a human, I'm like, I, this woman, and th- this is the thing we do know about the coronavirus, mm-hmm. you could be fine one day and the next day, you know, you could have a tube down your throat. And Black individuals right now are not doing the best compared to white individuals. And if you think of quality of life, and you, not quantity, but quality of life, mm-hmm. he doesn't have as much quality as she does. Right. So when you're sitting there weighing those decisions, and then if I wasn't a Black woman, 
you know, if I was maybe a white man, you know, if I was a Trump supporter, you know what I'm saying? Like those, a lot of those things go, go into your mind. Like, you know, would this person automatically have picked the white man just because he's a white man and he deserves to be treated better than this black woman over here. It's one of those things that, you know, it was just weighing and, you know, we ended up deciding to give the remdesivir to both of them. Yeah. But the thing is, you don't know. Take, that takes away two. It's not just one vial of remdesivir. It's like, I think maybe six. It's a five day course, but the first course, you, the first day you get two vials. So it's, how, what's, what's the math on that? So six, so six, six vials. So, you know, you think about what, you know, you're treating these two patients. You don't know how well they would do, but you think about other individuals who could, who, who could come in, in the door, you know, tomorrow or the next day who could be much sicker, who could be much younger, who have, you know, a greater quality of life than these individuals. So, you know, my reason for posting that was to stress, you know, you all talk about freedom and, you know, don't want anyone telling you not to, not to wear a mask. But when you walk into the door of a hospital, your freedoms are gone, especially when you can't speak Mm -hmm. for yourself, you can't breathe on your own. Like you are literally medical professionals are making decisions Mm -hmm. for you. And, you know, especially if you have coronavirus and, you know, right now we're not allowing visitors. Families, yes, are able to make decisions, but they're having to make medical decisions without a lot of families who have had to say goodbye to family members, you know, via FaceTime or through a window or, you know, over a phone because you can't come into the hospital. Right. Right. So that was that was that. That was so it was it was a tough decision, enlightening decision and just things that you didn't think that you would have to, you would actually have to right. do because, you know, we're, we're in 2021 mm-hmm. modern day times. Why don't we have enough medication to give to everybody? Yeah. But because, of, but because of this pandemic, because of the sheer volume of patients that we are having that, you know, are getting critically ill and being hospitalized, we have to ration these things out for the sickest individuals and what we deem is the sickest individuals, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, have, have no way of knowing this patient can be sicker than these other patients tomorrow, but because we had to make this decision today, you didn't get to get this medication. That could have potentially been more helpful than our other medications. Yeah. I have so, right. I have so much yeah. respect for you. I mean, I have had so yeah. much respect for medical professionals in general, just because of the work that you have to do. But man, I, I commend you and yeah, I, I don't really know what to say. <laughs> That's heavy. That's heavy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was one, you know, like I said, you, you do, you do this for so long because I've been in nursing for a decade now. So you do it so long that you like, you learn to compartmentalize, you learn to leave things at work because if you didn't, I'd be crazier than Kanye West right now, but I'm not. There's some days where you can't help but leave work and you can't help but have things weighing on. You can't help but, you know, crying in the car, you know, crying sitting at your desk because this patient just died or it's just, you know, where you feel like it's just so much out of control and you don't know what to do. And I mean, even physicians have said like all my years of training, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm just, I'm doing the things that I was taught to do, but no one was prepared. No one was prepared for a pandemic Mm -hmm. of this magnitude. Um, You know, and there was, I remember right. having one of these conversations with um, another colleague at the very beginning of all this. And you're like, 
we kind of equated it to the military is, you know, when you go in the military, there's potential for right. war, there's potential, you know, you're mm. potentially be on the front lines and you're giving your life. You know, that's when you, when you, when you sign that paper, you already know that's what you're signing up for. We, you know, when we signed to be a physician, a, um, a nurse, a nurse practitioner, a PA, we don't sign up to, you know, to give our lives specifically. You know, we sign up to give our all in everything that we are doing, um, you know, to make ethical and moral decisions um, and to not let, you know, racial biases, religious biases, you know, any other biases getting getting in the way of taking care of patients and families. But going to work, literally not knowing if I'm going to catch something that could potentially kill me every single day. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's heavy if you think yeah. about it. But. Put, some, put some respect on y'all name because what you're doing is not just like you said, It's this is not just mechanical type mm-hmm. of stuff, you know, every day in and out, back, doing the same thing over and over again. You have to consider all the other things that come along with this and especially the emotional wear and tear. Y'all are human beings yeah. at the end of the day. Um, and you're concerned about your patients and your patient's family, but you're also concerned about yourself, your coworkers, the people mm-hmm. back at home. Like there's so many other things that you have to take into consideration as a medical professional that a lot of times people on the outside don't think about, don't yeah. consider um, how this is affecting y'all. So this is very, very serious. Um, I know that we, you, we talked about it. You said it multiple times within this conversation, but we're going to talk about it. What is the importance of wearing a mask? It's, I mean, it's the easiest thing that you can do to prevent the spread. So coronavirus is transmitted via respiratory droplets, coughing, sneezing, Mm -hmm. talking, singing. So I mean, just, you know, just Mm -hmm. doing what we're doing right now. So if you wear a mask, you basically cut down the transmission of any of those droplets. I think it's like by 75. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think the numbers are much greater than that. Y'all could probably edit that out because I don't know the numbers, but I mean, <laughs> like it's severely cut down by just wearing a mask. So if you, I think if you, the picture is if you to were, you were to wear a mask and I didn't wear a mask, you cut down the transmission by 75%. But if both individuals wear a mask, I think it's like cut down by 99%. And, you know, additionally like socially distancing. Yeah. So it's like the simplest thing that you can do. And if you think about wearing a mask, like you're like, well, I don't understand the importance of wearing a mask. When you go to war, Mm -hmm. you put a helmet on that soldier before you go to war. And I'm talking about sex. Mm -hmm. You don't want to get pregnant. You don't want an STD. And going to the grocery store, going to Target is not as pleasurable Mm -hmm. as sex. So I don't understand why you can't wear a mask. Right. Well, and I think for whatever reason, people also are kind of buying into, and I'm going to say not buying into the lie, but people don't seem to understand that a lot of the wearing the mask is not per se always for you, but yeah, it's for the absolutely. other person. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, now <laughs> we also are aware that, you know, asymptomatic carriers, you know, individuals like who don't have right. symptoms. At that point in time, when we're talking, still have the still have the ability to shed the virus and to give it to you. I mean, shedding the virus yeah. meaning that droplets from orifices. So the orifices that we are speaking of specifically are the mouth and the nose. That's why they do the that's mm-hmm. why they do the coronavirus and the um, coronavirus swab in the nose. 
is that had the virus mm-hmm. and you shed it that way and you could potentially give it to somebody else. Right. So we basically should all right. be walking around almost with the assumption that we could right. be asymptomatic. Right. Right. <sighs> Bless it. And not because of that, but just bless it because Somebody people just refuse. Absolutely refuse. refuse. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I, you know, like the whole, and we were taught in nursing school that, you know, you, when you're drawing blood, you assume that everybody has AIDS, hep C, hep B, exactly. whatever, whatever. And we now know that HIV AIDS has no, like it has no face. So you don't know yeah. who has what, right? But you assume it's not that you assume the worst. It's just that you are protecting yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you don't care about anybody else, at least protect yourself. So you assume that this person right over here has coronavirus. I'm going to protect myself and I'm going to wear a mask. This person might not necessarily wear a mask, but I'm going to wear a mask and I'm going to socially distant from that person because I don't want it. Right. And then for (sighs) we've had a couple individuals that um, and of course these are younger, younger kids. And I don't know the demographics in terms of age wise that listen to the show, but I'm hoping that parents, aunties, guy, moms, whatever that listen will tell their younger friends, whoever this as well to these coronavirus parties, um, where, you know, you go to a party, you see if you can, if you become positive where younger people, we don't, you know, that seem to be faring well, that don't have like any asthma, that don't have any like type one diabetes, type two diabetes, that don't have any other comorbids. Typically, yes, they, what we've seen, they don't, they're not as sick as older individuals. But what happens is that you end up because you don't feel sick or you don't look sick, you end up transmitting it to your parents, your grandparents. And now your mom and your daddy mm-hmm. sitting in the ICU intubated, you know, fighting for their life. Yeah. And I mean, we've, we've had situations in the hospital where They've gotten it from their son because their son was out partying. And I think Keisha Lance Bottoms, the mayor of Atlanta, I think her son, who was like 18 or something like that, he was the one that gave it to her. Yeah. Because oh, he was wow. out and about. Mm. Like I said, if you don't care about yourself, at least care for others. Or if you don't care about others, yeah. care for yourself. Just care, care for something. At least. Care for something. Or if you don't care, care if you don't care about Just nobody. Care. Stay your ass at that. <laughs> <laughs> stay in your the tail house. Okay, in just, the house. Just stay home. <sighs> Which brings me to my next question. <laughs> Based on the things that you've seen and what you know, do you feel it's safe for students to return to the traditional schooling format? No. <laughs> if we can't, I mean, so Terry, I think I told you this. My best friend, she is an assistant principal in Houston. And she brought up Huh? Tell me this. Oh, okay. Well, she's this. she's been a teacher for a while, but now she's a, she's been assistant principal for something like that. Okay. But she brought up a great point, and I was like, "Bro, you smart." She was like, "If we can't get adults to get on one page, what makes you think that we're going to get students to be on one page?" And she's in the high school sector, so you know. Yep. School students. So, you know, good and doggone well, if you can't get high school students who, you know, you can basically tell them to do something and they take that in, you know, they have that concrete thinking, they know what they need to do. How can you get four or five, well, not four, five, six up and above your olds to know what six, six feet apart looks like, okay? And to stay six feet Mm -hmm. at all times, to not be touching stuff and, you know, 
digging in their nose, whatever, because we know what kids like to do. And then to wear a mask, to keep a mask on. We don't even like to keep a mask on, you know, for right. 10 minutes. And then you're yeah. also expecting, and this is, I, I think, and maybe these are female predominated fields and maybe I'm, I'm about to go down a rabbit hole, but we see how much respect we have on certain, certain fields. Education, mm-hmm. we have such a lack mm-hmm. of respect and maybe is it because it's a female production, we just don't care. Like nursing, you know, the majority of individuals who are on the healthcare yeah. line, females predominate that field. Right. I mean, individuals who we want to give the most at this point in time is to teach the nation's children to take care of the nation. We, we as a country just don't care. So I, I don't, I don't mm. understand. No, I don't think it's safe. Because there, I mean, there's, 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 yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's not a, there's not a plan. There, there's not a safe plan that's in place. And I know that, you know, you guys are states away, but I don't have any kids, but just hearing things that go on, I love County. So I think Cobb County was giving parents options. I think Fulton County was maybe starting at the, starting the beginning of the school year, maybe virtual, possibly. I know Fayette County mm-hmm. was given options. Gwinnett County is all virtual. So Gwinnett County has the highest proportion of, or the highest number of cases here in Georgia, but Fulton is next, but Fulton most deaths in Georgia. Um, And the other thing too, which is sad. And, you know, I'm thinking about Fulton County, especially Atlanta public schools that have the highest proportion of black and brown students or black students specifically. So now we have this whole racial divide of, what are kids going to do for school? Because you say, oh, we can start virtual. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, maybe y'all gave laptops to kids. That's great. Do these kids have Wi-Fi? You know, are, right. are, you, are you making sure that every student has Wi-Fi so they're able to be successful? So instead of yeah. their president stating that he, their president and Betsy DeVoe stating that they are going to cut funding to education, which I don't understand, I don't understand how, you would you would accomplish that but like let's 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 come up with options that actually work yeah but no I don't think it's safe yeah for the third time no I don't think yeah no we 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 are we are right there with you uh I, I was in the classroom for for a few years and I could tell you and I was in the special sector but at the same time like I mean I, I, yeah, I mean, and kids, um, and you, you bring, bring up a good point. Kids with, you know, special needs, like special needs, of, who can't unfortunately follow instructions because of developmental reasons. You can't keep them. You can't keep them no. with mask on. You think about kids with Down syndrome. No, I'm no. sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No. 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 I mean, you're right. And I was to say, not only that, a lot of those students have um, um, not only developmental delays and issues. Then they mm-hmm. have medical issues on top of that. A lot of them are because um, the, developmentally they're three, four years old. What do three, four, two, three, four year olds do? They, yeah. they drool. They put their yeah. hands in their mouths. You have to change diaper. Like there's so many other things that come along with that. So then you've got to think about them. You've got to think about mm-hmm. the teachers who are having to be severely hands on right. with these students. 
Um, and not only just them, but I also, you know, I think I told Yana this um, a few days ago. I was like, you think about just just like teachers are, yes, they are teachers, but teachers Absolutely. have lives outside of 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 the of the outside of education, outside of the school. Um, some teachers are married. Have they kids. have, you know, they have yeah. kids and other family members, and we don't know what's happening within the walls of their home. Right. It's also like what Jasmine mentioned earlier about you know teachers didn't sign their lives away to. Yeah, no, no. But but I, but I'm gonna tell you this. I'm gonna tell you this. <laughs> and I might get well. I ain't getting in trouble for this because I don't work for the school no more. But like, I remember when I when I was working it's special ed, and you know we were dealing with a lot of um, really uh, kids who were who were violent. Um, who would hit and throw things and bite and we'd have to use CPI restraints. And, um, you know, it would get to the point where it was just so out, so out of control. And, you know, we're reaching out to the, to admin and, and other uh, people in education and other agencies and, you know, what people in admin <laughs> sent back basically an email was like, y'all signed up to get, and we got to blur this out, but I'm going to say it. Y'all signed up to get shit hit and bit. This is I your mean, job. This admin is what you signed they, up for. They don't care because they don't get it and they don't have to get they it. Yeah. Cause care. they, they're like, I've surpassed all this. I don't have to, I don't have to care about it. Y'all just need to get yes. it done and make sure we make our money. Exactly. That is it. Mm-hmm. And that's the bottom line right there. It's oh yeah. It's all, I mean, it's all, money. it's all about the dollar. Like, you know, just within this, I'm sure you guys have seen this in the news of how healthcare organizations systems been cut. And you never heard about doctors and nurses and medical assistants not having jobs. But because right. through, you know, through the first surge, weren't making money with elective surgeries, folks had to go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, I mean, mm-hmm. money, making money. So and you realize that when you cut individuals like that, that leaves you short staffed to take care of critically ill mm-hmm. patients, critically ill patients that, you know, should be one to one or, um, you know, one nurse to one patient, um, you know, because of whatever they have going on or critically ill patients that you're having to stay in the patient's room for forever in full PPE, full attire. But mm-hmm. they don't care because it's about making money. And it's about, you know, making a profit at the end of the day. Sad. It's real nope. sad. That's how I'm going to work for myself one day like y'all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come on, girl. Let's go. Um, do you know, has anyone that, girl, I can't get the question out. <laughs> Do you know anyone that's been affected by this virus personally, colleagues, family, anything like that? Mm-hmm. What were the, I guess, the what were the effects? What were some things that you saw from that um, that you can at least share? Um, hospitalization, um, longer recovery time, you know, time off from work. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Realization that you aren't as important as you thought you were because, mm-hmm. you know, these organizations will continue on without you. Um, mm. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Being Austrian. Cause you know, this is, you know, kind of, and it still kind of is, I'll be completely honest. Like, you know, 
how AIDS patients used to be on the wards by themselves and nobody would come see them for hours at a time because, you know, you didn't know how it was transmitted and you didn't want to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, right. people people are afraid of afraid of this, you know, don't want to go go place. And I'm sure you all know at least one person who was like, I'm not going nowhere because I don't want to get coronavirus mm-hmm. or, you know, people who are just yeah. who've turned into monk and are just wiping down any and everything and be looking at you like, don't hug me. Like, don't don't get close to yeah. me type of thing. So. So, yeah, those are those are the things mm-hmm. that, that I've seen with individuals who have been personally um, affected. So, again, how can we help you help us? What are some parting words of advice that you can leave our listeners? Um, wear a mask, socially distance, hands, sit down, don't take unnecessary trips, mm-hmm. don't go to Florida, and just mm-hmm. know that it's real. And if you don't think that it is, it will show you how quickly, how real it is and that it doesn't discriminate. Mm-hmm. Like in yeah. terms of yeah. death, in terms of how, you know, how bad you'll feel like it. Yeah. Like it really, yeah, it's, it's real. Yeah. And, and just the whole, what you just said, um, especially the, the whole, it, it's real thing. And once again, we have our Facebook graduates uh, <laughs> right. who have their Facebook medical degrees, with honors. Who, you know, post the yeah. articles yeah. with honors. Uh, that post these articles and these links and these clips and all this other stuff. Yeah. Not it's fake. It's this, or it came from this place. Lab. This place. Here's well, yeah. my thing. Yeah. Here's my thing. I, at this point, I don't care where it came from, who brought it here, who uh, created it in a lab or whatever. The issue is here and people are being affected by it. I hate when people are like, well, it it came from, who cares at this point? I don't care if it came out of a lab. I like, I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't matter. And no, it does not matter. People are dying and people will try to use that as an excuse as to, we don't have to take it seriously. We don't have to take it serious. It's foolishness. Once again, it is foolishness. That's all I want to say about that. Um, last yes. question uh, for you, which I feel like we could definitely go down tons of rabbit holes in general about all the things that we've talked about today. But do you feel hopeful that we will find a resolve with this issue? I was hoping y'all wouldn't ask me that question. Because, I mean, I want to be as hopeful as possible. I just don't know if everybody will get on board to do the things that need to be done because now the estimates are if majority of Americans wore a mask, we could get this under control in like four to eight weeks. And that was, that was the thing back in March of like, you know, we were expecting high numbers, you know, when New York was greatly affected that, you know, things would look great. It, like we would have, we would get like a, to a plateau in like four to eight weeks. And it's like, we got there, but are we going to continue doing this up and down, up and down thing? Because as soon as, you know, yeah, folks get a little freedom, they act stupid. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, I would like to see things with rose colored glasses and I would like to see that there would be an end to it. Um, yeah. <sighs> Oh uh, yeah, like I would. I would hope. really like to. I would really like to feel hopeful, but I think, and it's not being pessimistic, um, but I think it's right. more just being realistic and 
probably because I, I, I see, you know, I see things and I know my hospital yesterday was on full diversion, diversion, meaning ain't no room in the end. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you are critically ill, no, we're not going to send you away, but we, um, you know, we advise you to go to another hospital. Um, but of course, like ambulances or whatever accepted in, you're just going to probably sit in the ER for 24 or 48 hours, however long it takes to get a bed. And, you know, people are not moving out as quickly as they used to because people are sick, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I really do want to remain hopeful. It's just that I, you know, I have a, I have 2020 vision on what coronavirus looks like. So yeah. it's, it's hard not to be realistic about it. For sure. No, we, 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 you know, when I, when we ask the question, it's not for you to give us a PC answer. It's, it's a real question. But you know how like you want, if I was listening to a medical professional or I was listening to, you know, a expert on something, you know how you want to hear that. Yes, something is possible. If you do X, Y, and Z, we will get out of this and blah, 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 blah. But you're a human first, Jasmine. And in real life, like we see how the way that we, the way I'm saying we, I'm talking about the foolishness that's, you know, that's going on that we're just not doing what, we're not listening to the advice of the professionals, people Mm -hmm. and and what the science is is telling us behind this. And just, And I've always feel too like, you know, as Americans, we we still operate from this place of privilege, mm-hmm. you know, some more than mm-hmm. And we feel like because we're the US or the Ameri- that we're Americans that this doesn't affect us. But when you right. see the actual numbers and yeah. you see other countries and they're going down or don't have, you know, as many new cases or they're they're, you know, they're trending downward, but we are like astronomically yeah. I mean it's yeah. still going up it's just like what what does yeah. it take like even then right. I I don't it just fudge, it frustrates me as somebody who's who typically is and I, I understand where you're coming from who's someone who's just you know that wants to be optimistic always wants to be mm-hmm. positive and you can't get nothing positive out of this when people doing just reckless, reckless stuff and I mean you see right you see reckless stuff every single day and it's like well and, you know, I wonder if yeah. it wasn't such a political issue, would people believe it? And I think that's, you know, the media does what it's supposed to. So I, I question that if it wasn't mm-hmm. such a political thing, would people put more respect on it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think 2020 this year showed us all about, I've definitely been humbled in 2020. Um, I definitely have a lot of perspective and a lot of patience. Y'all have- I, you know, I don't know what some people have, though. Well, you, I mean, you're, you're right about that. You're right about that. It shows us how quickly life can be taken away from us and how things are totally out of our control. Um, And I think that God has been talking to a lot of us or trying to been talk, you know, has tried to talk to a lot of us, but a lot of us still aren't listening. And I think that if this is the overall theme of God speaking to us and we are not listening and it's like, Hey, this ain't going to go away until y'all really and truly listen or you know, I said yeah, I said fire to this place y'all remember that fire in Australia at the beginning of the year that part so you know not to get all super religious but it's 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 something has to give and it's I don't, I don't know you, you, 
You're absolutely right. Everything you said, and Yana, and I, Yana and I have had these conversations too. And like you said, not to, you know, get super whatever, but we keeping it real. This is yeah. part of who we are. Like, you know, it's crazy. It's, it's the irony in that, you know, everyone went into 2020. Um, I, it really, I think with this notion of this is going to be that year, we can take it on. Yeah, it was a new vision. decade. Like, Yes. Yeah. Like this is gonna, this is gonna be it for us. And, and like you said, I think God. This is a. This has been a year. Um, we're still in it, but it has been a year where God has been revealing a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. And like you said, and we just are not listening. We're not listening. And I would hate to see what happens. Because a lot of this, you know, sometimes I think of it as like, man, this has been a moment. Like, like Yana said, it was like, guys, like I'm telling you, like, sit down. Because I got a lot of stuff I need. To, we need to address. I, I got some stuff that I'm trying yeah. to say. So as sit down, listen. Been a way to slow us down. Sit down and listen. But even in this, we are. He has sat us down, and we are still refusing to listen to him. We're, we're refusing to listen to him. And at some point, he's gonna be like, okay. Since y'all don't, since y'all just ref, absolutely refuse to listen. Um, then there there will be consequences of even greater magnitude than what we are dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is that, you know, the current occupant of the White House has, uh, I, I also find this ironic, you know, at one point, you know, made a statement about other countries in the world and he called them S-hole countries. And I feel like right now, America mm-hmm. is Bruh, S-hole country. Bahamas ain't letting us in. Like, it, I mean... Listen. About Bahamas, like just about they go off of tourism. You know, you think about a lot of those Caribbean countries, the right. majority of their economic growth or, you know, their money comes from tourism. Y'all cut off, they cut off America. Yeah. They said, at, at, like, at, if that, at. if that don't tell y'all nothing, and you know, you think about Italy, you know, before this really hit hard here. You know, it was just just beginning here. How hard Italy was hit. Italy yeah. is re- Italy is recovering. Like Italy is doing well. Yes. Italy does not have cases like they used to. Yeah. What, what? And we have such you know we have such great things over here. Like what? What are we doing? What are we doing? We have states looking at like <laughs> Italy. Right. Like that. And right. then if you like, if you just look at. If you look at New York, who completely ignored Orange, which is the smartest thing to do. This is why I know I need to move to a blue state within the next couple of years because I can't I can't continue this red <laughs> stuff. I love the love the color red. Shout out to my sorority, but I can't I, 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 I can't I can't no more. But if yeah. you see how New York actually did things and actually stuck to the phases and actually kept things shut down. New York is thriving mm-hmm. and Cuomo, I think Cuomo was like coming to Savannah today. Like he brought, he sent um, materials down to Atlanta last week. Yeah, like yeah, Cuomo's on yeah. a national tour. I, I wish he could, he could take over for Biden, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I know that's we feel you on that. But I mean, <laughs> it, and it's, it's crazy. People are like, Oh, that happened in Italy. That happened in, no, it actually can happen in the United States as well too. If, states would actually pay attention and care about their citizens and have people sit down, shelter in place, wear a mask. Yeah. You know, if you need to be out, you yeah. need to be out. And even Cuomo was like, yeah, we're not making kids. Kids are not going to be guinea pigs for us. 
No, it Mm-mm. makes absolutely no sense. The TEA here. Mm. Oh, I was like, yeah, what's it? <laughs> Sorry, the Texas Education Agency. So they're basically over the, all, all the all the districts here, and they are like the the head honchos. Mm-hmm. They will not be returning to their offices mm-hmm. until January twenty twenty one. But we want our children to go back into these buildings. You know, and that's the thing that that kills me. I'm like, so because y'all, if, if they said that you know, kids seem to do well from the coronavirus. We're go- we're still right. going to take that risk, right? right. If, if, yeah, oh, uh, there's okay. I want to say there, but I'm gonna just I'm gonna just stop. Yeah. It's just something you just want to shake some people. Just I just I just want to go and shake, shake them, Lord, shake them, shake the table, shake the table. Because it just, I mean, it, you know, when you, and then the the things too, like I said, I don't have kids, so you know, these are I'm thankful that these are not things that I have to worry about. But just as someone, as a human who cares, you're like, did you say that out loud? Like, did you, you know, how you write stuff down and then when you read it loud, you're like. That don't make no sense. Hold on, let me let me go back and let me, let me right. go back and fix that. Like, did you really say that? Oh yeah, we're gonna make kids go to school, and we'll just see how things go because kids right. need to be and in school. And then you say in that same breath, we're gonna leave it up to the parents to monitor their children and send them to school when we know mm-hmm. even before pre. <laughs> listen the lies i'm sorry yeah i mean oh this oh this coronavirus is all about honesty policy as well too (laughs) i mean folks still be lying but like no i had no No. fevers get up in a room bro you got 103 what you doing up here be doping their kids up on some Tylenol and ibuprofen and send them to school school. you're fine drink a little water like (sighs) i saw on the news this morning i happened to turn it on they were showing this couple i think in kentucky that they actually had to, what you call it, um, put them on house arrest. They had ankle braces on because they were actually, they have COVID and they were still, they were like, they're not staying home. They were refusing <gasps> to stay home. Uh-uh. They had no actual house arrest. So these are the type of people that we. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So. Um, you know, we could, you know, continue ranting on, but you know, I if y'all listen to us this far, first of all, appreciate it. Thank but you. We appreciate even more if you we could just be responsible and really just this is just not for your safety or just the safety of others. It's if y'all are talking about you want to get back and do your normal life, normal stuff. Yep. we're pushing that timetable back further, further and further along by doing going against the guidance of what we've seen has worked for us or is working in other places. Do people not get that college football is done dotted for the year? They still trying to make it people not get that Black Friday, y'all Black Friday ain't finna happen. Christmas ain't finna happen, y'all keep playing. Like y'all finna have a Zoom Christmas. Absolutely. I think and y'all think about this? Zoom done made so much money off mm-hmm. of Americans. Ooh, mm-hmm. What did the Pac-10 pull out? The Ivies pulled out. If the SEC pulled out, which I, if I pray to God they don't, but if SEC pull out, it's over. Well, I know Alabama canceled this first game. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so USC this first game. Yeah, they are. I already. I mean, I'm like, I guess. 
the Lord knew that this was going to happen. I'm like, the Lord knew this was my year because I got school to worry, worry about. So I don't need to be. <laughs> He's like, I need you to focus. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, well, okay. I guess I'll go ahead and cut the cable off because clearly ain't nothing to watch. <laughs> Y'all, we were supposed to have Olympics. Like, we were supposed to be watching the Olympics yeah, right now. I for straight forgot about that. Yeah, Olympics. like, yes. it, track and field was finna be on. Like, we was finna see Simone Biles. Like, yes. y'all playing. Nope, y'all playing. Y'all playing. Y'all want to wear masks. And we gonna be yeah, sitting in 2021 looking foolish, looking back like man. I refuse. I'm at somebody gonna have to open their border or something because this ain't gonna work. Not for you, United oh, States they citizen. All the U.S. U.S. is gonna be. Mm-mm. They were like, no, baby, uh-uh, you ain't coming up here with your coronavirus. Self. I know, right? To, we're gonna be over here trying to get um some fake um European passports. They finna call, they finna call y'all Corona Corona Americans. Right. Somebody let us in, please. Uh, I need a dual citizenship or something. What I tell you, tell your other countries, mamas. No, tell your little friends, you can't, we can't, you can't have company. <laughs> yeah. No, can, no. US, can we come to play? No, no, no nah, baby. <laughs> Y'all tell them they can't come off here today. Oh, oh, wow. Well, Jasmine, thank you so much for your expertise, your advice, your... Of course, of course. Just, you know, and everything that you give every day to mm-hmm. fighting this. We we do appreciate you. I know you you don't hear it enough. And um, we'll, we'll definitely continue to do our part on our side. As for Absolutely. me and my home, we're going to stay at home. We're going to stay masked up. That's for me and my house. Well, that needs that needs to be a a Bible verse for real. As for me and my house, we gonna stay masked up and inside. Hey, facts. Leviticus, I think, like thirteen, chapter thirteen or something. It talks about leprosy, people with leprosy, and I know it's a Levitical law, but it literally says, "Hey, if you got that stuff, hey, mask up, basically. It's literally said, cover your mouth and your nose." And keep your distance so people know. Lord, I don't know if you I don't know if you taking new submissions for the Bible, but I I, I can help write the Chronicles if you need. I hate you. <laughs> Everybody turn to Chronicles 19 and 1. High Genesis 316. Next year. <laughs> But no, yeah, Jasmine, thank you so much for uh, coming on today and having this conversation with us and, you know, being super honest and open and candid, giving us the real like you always do, because that is just who you are. Um, yes. We appreciate it. And we love that about you. And as we was, I think uh, last week, Yana was like, see if we can get Jasmine on. I was like, I'm on it. And she was like, we were having a meeting and she was like, what you doing? I was like, no, I'm texting her like right now. Like, <laughs> well, y'all know I'm always available for y'all. No, I, pre- I mean, I appreciate this platform and, you know, I don't, I think highly of myself, but I don't think highly of like the things that I do. Cause I think that's just God's calling on me, you know, what I was supposed to do. So I'm like, this is just my everyday thing. So I, you know, I appreciate y'all thinking about me and actually wanting, you know, the perspective of a healthcare provider on here. So I thank y'all so much for allowing me here. Well, we think highly of you and we think highly of what you do. So thank you. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I was at Chick-fil-A one day, I was in the line. She was like, Oh, thank you for your service. And I'm looking at her. I'm like, no, I'm military. (laughs) And I have have a badge. I was like, Oh, 
Oh, girl, girl, you welcome. Get my chicken sandwich. Huh? You welcome. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Did she give you a peach milkshake? Because I ain't going to. No, they didn't give me nothing for free. I was like, I mean, you know, you y'all want to get on this and give stuff, uh, give people stuff for free. But, you know, they they they, they support Trump, so I couldn't expect much. Shrugs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of that coming out later. Yeah, yeah. You don't know what to eat or support. No, shot. No more. This was this. You know, this was pre like Black Lives. This was pre Floyd. Black Lives Matter. We see in people's real true colors. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. So um, that's another conversation. But uh, so to bring you back. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you something. I got. I got time for that one. I mean, I got time for this one too, but I got a lot of time for that one. For sure. But hey, for if sure. you're listening, go support a black business today and wear your yes. mask while you're on wear your mask. way. Just mask. you know what? <laughs> wear a mask first and we can talk about everything else second. Just because that's real. We got to be here to have the conversation. Right. Because I mean, I really want to get back to the fun infectious disease stuff. I'm sick and tired of y'all COVID folks. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, until the no, I'm just playing. Uh, y'all, you want to close us out? Oh, sure. Um, you close yeah. out so well, so that's why I always let you do it. Benediction. Yeah, give us a benediction. Well, at this moment, we're gonna close and come to an end. Well, no, let me stop. <laughs> no, I just want to say again. I want to again just thank Jasmine for joining us and like. Like Terry mentioned, always being so real and transparent. We know that we joked a little bit throughout this conversation, trying to keep some things light, but really, y'all, this is a serious time that we're in, and it requires us to be serious about it um, and do the right things. Um, again, please wear your mask. Please wear your mask. Please yes. practice mask. social distancing. Wash your hands. Mm-hmm. Wash your body in general. Yeah. Wash your legs. Wash your legs and your, <laughs> and your hair. But I've still never understood that. I don't wash your legs, but <laughs> but yes, please, please do your part so that we can return to some normalcy in our lives. But again, just thank you all for listening. Um, we will continue to have more of these conversations throughout the season, um, and we hope that you will join us. Um, But until next time, melanate on that. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed our chat today. Keep the conversation going by heading to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leaving us a review. Have a story of your own to share? Email us at info at melanatedconversations.com or connect with us on social media at Melanated Conversations. Till next time. Keep raising your voice. Are you someone who's ready to get your voice out into the world? Have you been considering starting your own podcast and not sure of all the things it takes to launch your show? Well, At Levels to Lunch, they've done all the groundwork to help you turn your dreams into streams. With professional knowledge and experience in strategy, recording, editing, and presenting, 
They have all the resources to help you in your journey in launching your show. From the do-it-yourselfer to that time-strapped podcaster that just needs to get it done, they walk you through every step to get your show launched and ready for the world. So go ahead and take that next step and make your podcasting dreams a reality by visiting levelstolunch.com. Again, that's www.levelstolunch.com.